Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for today. We have celebrated life, new life, and we've celebrated birthdays, the grace that you've given for life to continue. As we share your word, Lord, breathe upon it by your spirit. Let it challenge us. Let it ignite something in us. Let it cause us to press on. Let it encourage someone. Let it illuminate someone's path. Let it do all that and more, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, today I I wanted to, um, in a sense, talk a bit more about this new thing that God is doing in your life and my life. Um, I also hope I can answer We ask people to send in questions just so that the vision is clear. And I hope I can answer all the questions in the time uh, that I have. Now, one principle that governs the world, amongst many others, is the fact that if you don't adapt, if you don't change, when circumstances have changed, you will eventually die. Now, it's not a physical death, um, but you will cease to be relevant. And in some cases, especially with regards to organizations, you will die. The organization will die. It's It's a principle that is applicable whether outside in industry, in the corporate world, or even here in the church. Uh, Church history is full of churches that rose and fell just simply because they didn't read the circumstances properly and they didn't adapt to the circumstances. What is the testimony of the children of Issachar that we talk about all the time? The Bible says they understood the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. And that's who we want to be. We want to understand the times and we want to know what we do, how we respond to the times. And if we don't do that, then invariably we become less impactful, sometimes irrelevant, and with regards to organizations and and churches and companies, we simply just die. Now the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will never die. But churches die. Churches become irrelevant. Churches shrink. Churches lose their influence. If the Bible describes us as salt and light, churches lose the savor, uh, the strength of the salt and the strength of the light. Now, if I, if I, if I call these names... I'm sure some of you would remember them if I, if, I, if I said these names. How many remember Blockbuster? How many remember Blockbuster? Yeah? Anybody doesn't know Blockbuster? 
Yeah? Now, Blockbuster is gone. And why did Blockbuster disappear? We thought Blockbuster was a, sta was a staple. It was part of our lives. Uh, we all went in there to rent videos. At one stage, Blockbuster was employing 84,000 people. But then Blockbuster did not foresee what was happening with digital technology. In fact, the truth is that the CEO of Blockbuster was offered Netflix at a time when Netflix was not significant. And he rejected the offer because in his words, this is just a bit part player that just has a small niche market. How I wish the spirit of Issachar was on him. For him to have known that it was, the world was going in that direction and Netflix was the next big thing. Guess what? He would have owned Netflix if he could see that change had come. And I could go on and on just pointing out examples. How many remember Polaroid? Yeah? Especially those who are slightly older. This is, this, is, this, is, this is what shows how old you are. Okay, how many had a Polaroid camera? Yeah? Go and put your hands up. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, Polaroid was synonymous with, with, with pictures, with cameras, with films. It captured the market completely. But guess what? It simply didn't know that change had come. And the great massive Polaroid company went bankrupt in 2001. How about this one that, is near, that was so near to us? How many remember Toys R Us? Yeah. We, we all went there. We bought, it, it, was, it was the best thing you could say to a child was, let's go to Toys R Us. But then again, Toys R Us miscalculated. It didn't understand what Amazon was becoming and how a lot of the buying would be done on Amazon. And as a result of that, when we drive to Tesco down the road, we remember that there was once a massive Toys R Us here. And you know, you could go on and on, companies after, company after company, that just didn't understand that change had come. How many remember Borders? Yeah? How many went there to buy books? Borders, again, completely miscalculated. They didn't realize that there was a transition, there was a change that was going on. At a time when they should have been shifting into digital technology and online selling, they were opening more stores. Wrong move. It's had to close all its stores and sell off all its locations. I could go on and on. Now, this is going to tell those who are really in the older generation. How many went to Tar Records? How many remember Tar Records? Yeah? How many have no idea what Tar Records is? Whether you're at home or here, you have no idea. What is Tar Records? <laughs> you know, talking, talking about generations. Um, Shola and I were trying to explain to our, our youngest son. He just he, he found it fascinating. We were trying to explain to him that there was something called the 
A to Z. How many remember the A to Z? How many don't know the A to Z? Okay. And that we, we're trying to explain to him that to, to go somewhere, you needed a book in your car called the London A to Z. And you had to stop periodically. How many remember that? To open the A to Z to try and plot your way. He found it unbelievable. I don't even think, I think he only believed us because we, we are his parents. He just couldn't imagine that you didn't have a phone that, that had Google Map on it and that, and that you had to stop. And then we went further. I think that day we just wanted to mess his mind up. We told him that to make a call, <laughs> I'm sure you know what's coming. You had to stop at a red telephone box. And God help you if you had no coins in your car. How many remember that? How many know that wasn't such a long time ago? So wh what happened? Why do we not need tire records now? Because we have Spotify and all the many other things. The world has changed. And I'll do one more. How many remember Kodak? In fact, we would say then, that's a Kodak moment. Isn't that what we said? That's how, how synonymous Kodak was with taking a picture. Do you know it doesn't exist anymore? Now, what happened to all these organizations? They couldn't read the times. And they couldn't change, pivot, innovate for the times that had come. Now, I'm sure you know that the world has changed completely. The last 18 months with the pandemic, COVID-19, has brought home that change. And if we don't change, we don't if we don't innovate as a church, we are going to become some footnote in the history of the church in the United Kingdom. Now, the beauty of the grace of God is that into this circumstance or these circumstances, God begins to speak a word to us as a people. And it's an encouraging word with regards to adapting to change, continuing to be relevant and even more relevant. And he speaks that word to us out of the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 18 and 19. And you know the scriptures by now. He says to us, he says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I would have loved to say that to the Kodak CEO. Don't get caught up on your success. Your name is synonymous with pictures, instant pictures that are taken. But the word of the Lord says, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. He goes on to say, behold, I will do a new thing. And that's the word from God to us. I'm doing a new thing. 
I'm doing something that hasn't been done before. I'm taking you on a path that you've never walked before. I'm chatting a cause that is a new cause. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says, this new thing I'm doing, this is how you will know it is me. It will be me making a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The big challenge is that there is often a disconnect, even as I'm saying it, where someone is saying, He's speaking about the church. And we often forget that the church is not a building. The lockdown has proven that the church is not a building. They locked down our buildings, but they didn't lock down the church. So the church is you and I. So if God speaks a word... Behold, I'm doing a new thing. What is God saying? I'm doing a new thing in your life, with your career, with your business, in your family, with your children. I'm doing a new thing. And if we don't embrace it like that, the word can pass over us. I'm doing a new thing with you as you work with me, as you serve me in advancing my kingdom. I am doing a new thing. And in the way that God will always confirm what he has said, he speaks another word to us in the month of June. And he speaks it out of the Songs of Songs, the second chapter, particularly verse 13. But to put it in context, I'd love you to read from verse 11 in the Passion Translation. This is God speaking to you. It cannot get clearer than this. The only way it can be clearer is that he has to come physically and sit next to you and whisper into your ears. And you know that's not going to happen. And so what is God saying? What is he saying to the church? What is he saying to you? He says the season has changed. Borders missed it. Kodak missed it. Compact missed it. Tire records missed it. And the result is that they all died because they didn't realize the season had changed. And God is saying to his church, the season has changed. It is not what it was before the lockdown. It's a whole new world that we are faced with. We can't continue to do business as usual. That's what Tire Records did. That's why it doesn't exist. They did nothing wrong. They just continued business as usual. That's what many churches have done. Do you know the number of churches that have closed down? When we thank God very soon, I want you to thank God for this church. And thank God for the churches that have heard this word and are, and are trying to discern what this word means for them. 
Because that's what I do, I'm constantly hearing, oh, this church has closed down, this church has closed down, this church is struggling. And the reason is because the whole terrain has changed. He says the season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. That's a good place for somebody to say amen. And the season of hiding is over and gone. It's exposure time. It's the same thing that happened to Elijah. For many years, he's in the hills being groomed by God. And then one day, God says to him, it's time to go down to start the work. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I, I spoke about this three weeks ago, so you can get that message. I hear the cooing of the, dove, of the doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. You know, this is, this is so poetic. It's so rich, the, the, these three verses. I would love you to spend time in it. Let the Holy Spirit unfold it. And let the Holy Spirit make it, show you the application to your life. Time doesn't permit me to do that today. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? It's a question that God asks you and I. Can't you discern it? Don't we know that there's a whole new day of destiny and it's breaking forth around us? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers there is change in the air. If God is saying there's change in the air, it is folly not to respond to that change. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. Amen? That's a word for your life. For your life. And I pray that God will give you the grace to respond to the change in a way that propels you to a higher level. And you know, when I shared about uh, the vision for the church... I spoke about five things. God has made it simple for us. Just remember five things. Nothing more than five things. Number one is a base. A base. The, the strength of the work is really the strength of the base. The base is the foundation. Everything is built on the base. So I got 17 questions, which I'm hoping to rush through and answer very quickly. But of course, one of the questions was, so does this mean that Jesus' house has closed down? No, it's a base. If you, close, if you, if you destroy the foundation, the building is condemned. So no, on the contrary, the base is strengthened. The base itself enters a new dispensation. Everything is looked at to make sure that it is right for the changing season. But the base remains a base. Everybody say with me, a base. The second thing we spoke about were the hubs. Now, what are the hubs? 
The hubs are something that God has given us that we can see why he would do so in these circumstances. We can see how the hubs will meet some of the challenges that are posed by the new world that we face. So what are the hubs? The hubs are outposts of the base. They are communities of Christians that are living together, growing together, loving Christ together, supporting each other, being discipled together. They can be small communities of sometimes larger communities. They meet on Sundays in the, in the hubs the same time as we meet here. We broadcast some of these services, some of what happens here into the hubs. The hubs have facilitators, leaders. The hubs are us taking what is happening here closer to people. So sometimes someone doesn't want to drive an hour and a half to Jesus' house, but by God's grace, when this whole vision unfolds, he has a hub or she has a hub that's 10, 15 minutes from her. The hubs are not just in the United Kingdom. They're also abroad as the Spirit of God leads us. So the, the picture is one house with many rooms. And you know how in a house, there's one room where everybody kind of congregates. In our house, we have an open floor, an open plan kitchen sitting area. That's where we are. That's the base. But then the other rooms are significant. There's no room in the house that is not significant. And so those are the hubs. And then we spoke about the incubators. What are these incubators? You know, the Bible says in Daniel, the 12th chapter, I think it is, and the 32nd verse, 11th chapter, 32nd verse. It says, the latter part, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So what is this whole incubator stuff? It is simply a discipleship system. It's a burden that I have that I am hoping somehow we can take that burden and create a system that helps us become strong Christians. As the pastor of the church, my heart bleeds when I see a millennial generation that is just not strong and sturdy, that has more knowledge than their parents, more freedom than their parents. They are the generation that grew up with search engines. But when it comes to dealing with the vicissitudes of life, dealing with the complexities of life, when it comes to taking hard knocks, you find that that generation buckles. And I've come to understand that part of the reason is that that generation has not been discipled to be sturdy Christians. 
The kind of Christians who are like Paul, I'm knocked down, but it's okay, I'm going to get up. And I realize that part of that is when you're fed a diet that is focused on the short term, the instant. And it's what the generation is used to. How quickly can it happen? I realize that you, you have to somehow disciple this generation so that they know that life brings tough circumstances and challenges. It is par for the course. There's nobody we follow in the Bible who didn't go through trials, who didn't face all kinds of difficulties. It just is life. So I used to marvel as to how somebody fails an exam and the world collapsed. I said, no, I failed quite a number of exams. I, I didn't collapse. No, I didn't. I didn't, you know. But I realize now that it's the way I was brought up. When you're brought up to live in a virtual world, when you face reality, it's a challenge. But the way I was brought up, you came back home, you dropped your stuff, you got on your bicycle, you went out to play with the boys. Some of the boys were, were, from, were from some tough backgrounds. They beat you up. They, they, they stole your bicycle. They kicked you on the football field. You came back home. Your father said, if you don't go and get that bicycle back, you are finished. You went there. You were not tough, but you thought of your father at home. You became tough. You took your bicycle, and you realized that if I stand up to these guys, they are going to back down. You became strong. But, but when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're clicking and the figure is not real, when you face the reality, you collapse. When your boss is intimidating, you, you, you have a meltdown. And so I realize that what is missing is a people who don't know their God and know who they are. Can we do that to that generation? I think we can. That's part of what the incubator is about. Part of what the incubator, incubator is about is getting people to trust God. You know, where I was speaking to a pastor, and he said to me, I hear you guys are losing the building. I said, we're going to have to move. Incidentally, but thank God for God's grace, we're not moving until next year, early next year, and who knows when we'll move. You know, that's how God works. If I had been stressed out, I would have lost some years in my life. So the guy said, you, you, are you, you don't seem stressed. I said, stressed? No. I said, I've been with this God for too long. I trust him. A hundred and one percent. I wish you could hear my private conversation. I, I, I wish you could hear my private conversations with God. You would laugh. I'd say, God, you're testing me. I say, God, you, but between you and I, you know that I trust you. So I said, God, I'm not going to lose sleep. I said, God, this is your wife. I said, within the best of my abilities, I take care of Shola. And it would irritate me if any man came to tell me how to take care of Shola. I said, so God, I cannot tell you how to take care of your own wife. You take care of your bride. I'm off on holiday to Ghana. And it was while I was in Ghana that I got a call. One of our lawyers, Shiju, had got an extension. And who knows what they're going to do. 
And even if there was no extension, come on, we follow the Bible. What did the three Hebrew boys say? They say, our God is able to do it. But even if he doesn't, we still worship him. So one of my daughters said to me, but we don't think like that. I said, but why? It's in the Bible. So I said, maybe I can teach people to trust God at that level. Believe me, I tr- my wife will tell you, I trust this God that I serve. I trust him, oh Lord. I trust God. I trust him. I said, I trust God. That's why I don't lose sleep. I trust him. And as you know, I have been through some very challenging times, including the loss of, of my first wife, Ify. And it never changed how I trust God. That is what Christianity is about. Not that he didn't pay my, I couldn't pay my mortgage, so God is no longer God. No. For your mortgage, huh? how do you reduce God to your mortgage? You reduce him dying on the cross to a mortgage. So let's, let's rise up. Let's become true disciples. Let's become the kind of disciples that can share stories with Paul. When you go to heaven, what are you going to tell Paul? He didn't pay my mortgage. I don't know why God, I don't like God. God, I couldn't marry. I'm 32 and you didn't give me a husband. So I don't like you. I'm not Paul. You don't understand Paul. Paul says, listen, I was shipwrecked how many times? They killed me. They thought they'd killed me. They threw me over the city wall. A snake bit me and I didn't die. They chained me, and while I was in chains, I was writing all those books that, that you're reading in the Bible. That's why you're a Christian, because of what I wrote while I was in chains. The night before they were to kill me, they chained me to a Roman soldier. I fell asleep, and it was in the sleep that the angel came and woke me up and had to hit me with the sword because I was in such deep, peaceful slumber. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. I don't know if anybody told you it was a bed of roses. It's not. Wake up. All the stuff that they're telling you is not true. Every person we follow had to deal with stuff. So that's, those are the incubators. And then the greenhouses is us simply saying there's ministry in most of you. The world is not going to be changed by the church as in us meeting on Sunday. No, the world is going to be changed by each one of us stepping out to what God has called us to do. There's ministry in you. There are things God would have you do that will be ministry. And so we're saying to ourselves, how can we help people and release them into ministry? The thing that's burning in you, the difference you want to make, the change that should come because of what God has put in you. Please don't die with it. Before you go, let the people who are to be touched, the lives that are to be changed, let them be changed because of what is in you has been released. Bless Miles Monroe for having helped us understand that. The first time I heard him say the graveyard is the richest place in the world, I wondered what he was talking about. 
Until he explained that so many people die with the things that God has put in them that could have changed lives and never bring those things out. And a lot of it is because the enemy has played a mind game on so many and made us feel that we are not capable. He has affected our esteem, our growing up, our circumstances has, has, has affected how we think of ourselves. But I want to say to you that there is ministry in you. There are people who are waiting for your manifestation. And we have examples. We have examples already. They are too few. You went through it so that you can be a healer to others who are coming through. You experienced it so that you can, out of your experiences, minister to others. And so this greenhouse... We want to try and see how much ministry we can release. How we can create a greenhouse where what God puts in people can grow, can thrive, and can be released to be, be a blessing. And the last, the last part of that fivefold vision is what we call rivers. And what, are, what is rivers? Rivers is just a community of churches, interdenominational churches, that come to us and say, we have like minds. It's purely relational. It's not hierarchical. There's no boss, no leader. But we just come together and iron sharpens iron. We encourage ourselves. These are churches who are passionate about transformation, passionate about regeneration of the society, passionate about revival, uh, passionate about prayer. These are churches that are committed to integrity and tra transparency. These are churches who are saying these are, this is a value system with regards to family and family relationships. And we say, great, we can work together, we can encourage each other, we can serve each other. Amen? You get the vision? Amen. Now, is it all worked out? Absolutely not. We're going to be tinkering with it. We're going to pray through it. You're going to have to pray through it as it affects your life. Because God does want to do a new thing in your life. He wants to. The, the amount of new things that he's doing with some of, so many people that I know. I was talking to someone and she was sharing how, you know, she started her own company. She's, you know, on the verge of becoming a magistrate. And I was just thinking, these are new things. God wants to do new things with you, with your family. Believe the word of God and pray it through. And talking about praying it through, um, for the foreseeable future, every Saturday at 6 a.m. for one hour, I'll be praying through the new. So if you want to join me, you're welcome. You can join virtually. We'll give you all the details. Every Saturday, I just feel that's what God's saying. Just, just pray through what I have planned for you. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Does this make some sense? Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, um, I've overrun in terms of time, but let me see if I can whiz through these questions that came because we promised we'll answer all the questions. I keep sending the questions. Okay, some of them have already been answered. Is the church being dissolved, broken up into hubs? Please answer. Please answer. Okay. Okay, what is the relationship between the base and the hubs? Well, the, the base does what the base does. It's, it empowers the hubs. It, it strengthens the hubs. Um, there's no pressure on the hubs. You know, there's not, we're not asking them to go and be churches. Um, we're not saying that to them. We're just saying, can you just live a, as a community of Christians um, who are in that local area, um, they don't want to come to Jesus' house every Sunday, uh, they don't want to come to the base every Sunday. Can you do that for us? Yeah? 
and, and I, I'm going to be involved in setting up some of the bases. Um, does everyone have to be in a hub? Can you answer that question? Does everyone have to be in a hub? Does everyone have to be in a hub? Okay. Everyone doesn't have to be in a hub. Some people will stay in the base. They don't want to go anywhere. And they're perfectly allowed to. Who are the hub leaders and would hubs be in the houses of others? No, the hubs are not in houses. Um, that's why there's a lot of infrastructure behind this. There's a whole team. And bless Dolakwa uh, and how we are strengthening, going to strengthen the team. There's a whole team that is looking for the right locations for us with, hub, with regards to hubs. And how do we find the locations? Prayerfully, we believe God will lead us to various locations. We have one or two abroad that are ready to go. Well, I shouldn't say ready. That are at the early stages um, of, of being planned, uh, being put into, into practice. So, yeah. Um, what if you do not like your hub? Can you change? The vision is not clear because it sounds like because there is no building and nowhere to go, the church is no longer is existing. You know, there are some African expressions that just answer questions. When an African does this, <laughs> when an African does this, what is he saying? What does this mean for the choir and them serving? Will they be split up? Um, no, no, it doesn't. There's a choir in the base. The, the choir in the base, don't forget that part of this whole new thing was God said to us, I need a new sound. I don't want commercialized worship. I need worship in spirit and in truth. That spirit and truth worship comes from the base. And initially, for the hubs, they certainly on a Sunday will get the word and the worship. But my belief is that as the hubs strengthen, there'll be people in there who can start to do the worship there. And then even with regards to the word, there's a time frame where I start to roll back the number of times I'm speaking into the hubs as we find leaders in the hubs who can step forward. And eventually, I foresee a time when I'll be speaking once a month into all the hubs. Does that make some sense? Because part of what the hubs is doing is releasing new leaders. That's part of what the hubs is doing. People have not been able to serve throughout the pandemic, and now the church is going into hubs. What are the plans for departments that couldn't and cannot serve now? Should they just assume there's nothing to do? Of course not, because the whole base is being restructured. There's a whole rationalization that is going to have to go on. Of course, with a new season, certain things are, not, are no longer necessary, but the people are always necessary. So the people will always find expression somewhere to serve in the house of God. I've just settled in Jesus' house and made a few friends. Does that mean I'm separated from my friends and have to make new ones? What will determine the location of the hubs? Doc, <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will determine the location of the hubs. Um, we're praying through it, but some things lend themselves. So um, we're doing one of those heat, we've done one of those heat maps. And or, or, or thanks for, for kicking us off in that direction. We've done one of those heat maps. And incidentally, we also wanted to um, thank Shiju, our lawyer, for how she negotiated the extension. So bless her. So 
in doing one of those heat maps, you, you kind of find out where there are massive concentrations of people who come to Jesus' house. And um, Doc has been speaking to a lot of people, and we find that um, a lot of people, because of the way church, what the pandemic has done, um, you don't get your whole congregation in church on one Sunday anymore. You know, people kind of choose, I'm going to do online today. Even my wife, Shola, was saying to me that as we're coming that, you know, if, I guess if she wasn't Pastor Shola, today would have been online day for her. Yeah? So that kind of told me that if Pastor Shola is thinking of online day, then everybody does some online days. It's, it's a hybrid church. And, and so what we put out online must be as good as what happens here. So that nobody feels shortchanged. So when we do our heat map, we'll be able to see massive concentrations of people. And we think maybe we can start a hub there. So that if they don't come uh, three Sundays, they have a hub that they can go to. And they can do life together. Do Christ together. Yeah? But ultimately, prayerfully, we'll determine where that happens. Am I expected to go to a hub near me? Can I come to the base regardless of if the hubs are near me? What happens to things like junior church, teen church, youth church in the bays? And don't forget, the bays influences the hubs. Um, there's a whole process that is going on in rethinking how those ministries are done. The whole thing has changed. Um, talking to Dane really, um, and a few people in junior church, we put up our hands that we have almost lost that battle with that generation. And that's because the things we are competing with, they're serious things. The, the, the peer pressure in schools, uh, the various video games that they play, the, 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 the music culture. You know, we accept that we, we have almost lost that battle. But we are, we are recalibrating as part of the new to say, how can we now do ministry to these people who are in that generation? Same thing for the teens, same thing for the youths. So will it change? Absolutely. Will it become new? Yes. Will it exist? Yes. There are people who live so far away and Sundays are days to meet up in church. Does this mean I won't meet them again? If I go to a hub, does this mean I see less of Pastor Agu? <laughs> you will certainly see me on a screen and that's what you've done for 18 months and guess what? You survived. You survived. You survived well. Look at you. you. Some of you haven't spoken to me. You survived. So, and also, it's important for us to destroy the cult of personality. That's very important to us. Yeah? If the church revolves around me, there is a problem. It, it is not like the early church. And I will shortchange you because I am human an anointing for an office, but human. There's a limit to how much I can give. And the truth is that, can I be truthful? They are gonna, my team is going to shoot me for what I'm about to say. I can already hear them saying, you shouldn't have said that. But you guys know I'm going to speak the truth. Chizwa is looking at me and saying, Agu, don't say it. <laughs> but should I tell you the truth? I loved getting my life back. And for the first time in 20-something years, I had lunch with my family on a Sunday. 
Doc, you remember the early days when we used to go and have lunch every Sunday? Then it di- yes, then it disappeared. And why did it disappear? Because people are waiting to see Doc and I, Badge, you know, my wife, Pastor Funke, Pastor Denry, there are a few of us. We don't live here. Well, Doc and I will always be the last and we'll be leaving at 8 or 9 or 10 p.m. Having started at 6 a.m. in the morning and having prayed before we came. So the pandemic, I got home. I got home one Sunday. I mean, not one Sunday. We finished service one Sunday. I was looking at Shola. I thought, wow, I have you to myself. I said, wow, I don't have those Jesus house people. Just me and you. We did brunch. Then we had what they called siesta. So the truth is that even your pastor doesn't want to go back to the old. Did you hear the loud amen from my wife? I'm 72 years old now, and I wonder if I will still be offered a ride to church now that the big church will be broken up into smaller churches. You will still, those, those things, and even better things will exist. Amen? Does this mean my children will no longer have their friends in children's church? Okay, 17 questions. I answered all of them. Go on, give God a clap offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And then... I kind of, I think I'm going to do that next week because, you know, one of the things that God told me as we started a few months ago, and I announced it to you, he told me that he's taking the church into a wealthy place. I thought he was speaking to me, but then I realized he was speaking to the church. He's taking the church into a wealthy place. Now, why is he doing that? Because he realizes that a vision needs provision. And the provision comes when God can entrust his resources to faithful people who will then channel the resources to the expansion of the kingdom. So I know for a fact, a fact, that God is doing a new thing in our finances. I know it for a fact because it's already started happening to me. Some of the things that have happened to me in the last two months, they've never happened to me in my life in terms of God blessing. Ridiculous things. It doesn't make sense. It is embarrassing. And I know that if God is doing it for one of us, he's doing it for all of us. So I think next week I'm going to talk about the new and your finances. Just so that we understand God's plan um, for how he blesses his church to be a blessing to the work. Amen? Hallelujah. Think it's a good idea to do that? Yeah? Think it's a bad idea? Okay. Those of you online, think it's a good idea? Yeah. We're just going to share, you know, from the Bible, how God moves the people um, from one place to another, blesses the people so that the people, the principles that are involved, so that the people become a blessing to the expansion of the kingdom of God, to regeneration and transformation of our society, to revival in the land. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. It's a way we've never been before, but Lord, we're excited as we go on this journey, Heavenly Father. We give you all the praise and glory. 
In Jesus' name, amen. And with all heads bowed, if there's anyone who doesn't have uh, this whole thing pivots around a relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Everything can change, but that doesn't change. And so if there's anyone who doesn't have that relationship, this is an invitation for you to start a relationship with him. Not a relationship with a church, but a relationship with the Son of God and through him with God. And if you would love to start that relationship with him, go on a journey with him. That is the ultimate new. Your life is transformed. All things pass away and the Bible says, behold, all things are new. If you would just open up your heart by saying this prayer with me, whether you're in this auditorium or you are watching online, if you would just say this prayer, Heavenly Father, I welcome you into my life as my Lord and Savior. I accept your son Jesus as a sin offering for me. I ask, Father, that you give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you as I commit my life to you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for welcoming me into your family. I know by this prayer that I am now a child of yours, born again into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. 